When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is NFL Live on this holiday Monday, and we begin today with news, breaking news this afternoon, and a developing story out of Denver where they have made a coaching change with two weeks to go in the season. We're going to start right away with Adam Schefter. Adam, what more can you tell us about the Broncos' decision? Well, Dan, I don't think there was a question that Nathaniel Hackett's job was in jeopardy, but I think few people thought that he would lose his job today, one day after the Broncos surrendered over 50 points against the Los Angeles Rams in a Christmas Day loss. This was two of the last three weeks that they've been down by at least 27 points in the second quarter. And the Broncos ownership group, the new ownership group that paid a record sum for this franchise, decided they had seen enough. They knew they were going to make a change. They decided not to wait any longer. And so they appointed Jerry Rosberg, who Nathaniel Hackett brought in earlier this season to help with time management duties as the interim head coach for the remaining two games of the season. What a journey for Nathaniel Hackett, hired last offseason. They yeah. trade for Russell Wilson. The season turns into a complete disaster. And today, Nathaniel Hackett is fired after a 4-11 start, becoming one of only five rookie head coaches to be fired this quickly into his first year with a franchise, joining such others as Jacksonville's Urban Meyer, which made a change last year. Really remarkable how quickly it went this bad uh, in Denver. Broncos becoming the third team to change coaches since this season began, uh, joining Carolina uh, and Indianapolis. Adam, stick with us. Uh, I want to talk about this with the group. Russell Wilson really couldn't get much done on Sunday through three interceptions in a game. For the first time since 2020, two of those came on throws 15 or more yards downfield, and that continued a season-long struggle for Wilson, who's on pace for the second-worst mark of his career uh, on those throws. Now bring in Dan Orlovsky and Marcus Spears. Mina Kimes will join us uh, shortly. But, Dan, start with you. Does this move make sense for Denver? It was inevitable. It had to be done. Something had to be done for this situation. I do not believe that we're in a world where Russell Wilson – is totally, um, not to be absolved, but off the table for their, for their organization moving forward. What went wrong was Nathaniel Hackett never got Russell to play to, one, the expectation level given the draft capital they gave up and the money they paid him. And then, two, to anywhere close to where he has in the past. There's become zero comfort in their offense. This is an offense that Nathaniel Hackett runs that is predicated on rhythm and timing. And his challenge was to get Russell to be a player that was based in, predicated upon rhythm and timing. He's not been that guy in the past. That never happened. They were never, as an offense, able to grow from running basic concepts and build their offense off of that. For weeks on weeks on weeks, this offense in their past game has struggled to operate very simple concepts. For all those reasons attached to it, that's why this move, with something had to happen, happened in Denver. 
Dan, I 100% agree. But let me ask you a question, man, as the, as the QB guru. The, the continuous skid, right? Never – like we talked about this Denver football team every, every other week. Yeah. And none of the conversations geared towards a level of improvement that you would expect from professional teams or professional athletes and even Russell Wilson. So how much and, – and this is going to be a crazy question in the football world. How much of the responsibility you thought lied on Nathaniel Hackett for the underdevelopment in this particular scheme for Russell Wilson? Yeah, I would say – a great chunk of it, unfortunately, because he's the head coach. And he was the head coach that was given that role and or opportunity to take a guy. I mean, Marcus, you know this. Russell Wilson was on a Hall of Fame trajectory. We've, we've never seen this before, at least in my experience. We've never seen a player that had MVP caliber years after year after year and Hall of Fame type of performance for a decade fall this fast. And he's not 37, 38, 39. This guy is still relatively yeah. young when it comes to the quarterback world. So I think Nathaniel Hackett's a good coach, and I'm disappointed it ended this way, but the burden does have to fall on him because he's the guy that was anointed or placed head coach and play caller. It does. And, Mina, look, they signed Russell Wilson. Not only did they trade all that for him, they signed him to a massive extension yeah. right before the season started. So it wasn't him that was going to go. If they are stuck with him, how big a problem is that for Denver moving forward? Yeah, it's basically impossible for Denver to move on from Russell Wilson after this season uh, because of the way the contract is structured. We're talking $100 million dead cap hit, $70 million even if they waited until after June. Realistically, if they were to do that and move on, it would happen in 2024 when you can then split up that second cap mm -hmm. hit and it becomes a little bit more manageable. And, Dan, that's a big part of the reason why this is a really complicated head coaching job for their next head coach because – Russell Wilson is more likely than not going to be your quarterback next year. You don't have that top draft pick because you traded it to Seattle. Um, and I, I, it's, you know, a good defense, but I think there are some issues elsewhere on the roster to put this beyond Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. I think Denver, for next season, has to do a couple of things. When they bring in a head coach, they have to say, hey, the expectations for 2023 are low. We know you're, you're, this is a reclamation project. You're going to try to get Russell Wilson to go back to using his legs more, maybe build a better offense around him, get him to buy into it. But we will let you bring in competition for him and acknowledge this is not a one-year job. Mm. You're coming in. Yeah. The expectations are low. But also next year, when we, it is a possibility for us to move on, you will still be the head coach. Otherwise, if I was a coaching candidate, I would not take this job because it is definitely not attractive based on next year alone. MK, some great points. First of all, I think it's the least attractive job in the NFL right now. Um, Denver needs to find the needle in the haystack in many ways. And you touched on a little bit. So the guy that comes and takes this job, number one, has to get Russell Wilson playing at a high level. So that's a small group of who, what guys believe that they are capable of doing that. Number two, whether you like this or not, you got to be willing to and want to work with Russell Wilson on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't know Russell. I can't say anything about that. But there is conversation and narrative attached to what that is like. And then three, not only do you have that burden, you also have to be a head coach for 52 other guys and be able to lead the football team. Yeah. You can't just be the coach that gets the quarterback to play a little bit better. So not only is this not a desirable job because of all the things that we just touched upon, 
but that new head coach, and if we look at the guys that we think are the, the head coaching names, right, defensively we would, we would see um, their defensive coordinator, that, that he would be number one. D'Amico Ryans for the D San Francisco 49ers as a defensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy maybe as an offensive guy. Shane Steichen, Ben Johnson, who's the play caller in, in Detroit. Are all those guys who are hot names right now going to attach themselves to this situation? That's where I think it's very tough. Yeah, difficulty breeds in the NFL. Sean Payton comes to my mind, and I know you talk, both of you guys talk about how unattractive the job is, and I agree. But if I'm thinking about leadership, if I'm thinking about a guy that was able to take a franchise somewhere they had never been, work with quarterbacks, Dan, some of the requisites you talked about the day in and day out, the responsibility of leading 53 men. You guys know I know Sean Payton. The one thing that every player to a man will talk about with him is the leadership qualities and how everyone is involved. And then, too, like, life come at you fast. A year ago, we were talking about this being one of the best destinations in football for a quarterback. We were talking about them being a Super Bowl, a quarterback away from potentially competing for a Super Bowl. So I just, I, Sean Payton came to my mind when this, when this all took, took fall. Yeah, I mean, I think Peyton, if he is coming back as rumored, will have his pick of opportunities. As we've discussed, Denver's probably not the most or even near the top of the list, the most attractive ones. But, hey, Walmart's a big company, guys. Uh, so those new owners <laughs> can say, new Sean Payton in other ways, potentially. I'll throw that out there. Yeah. And I think they have to do what I just said earlier, which is say this is not a one-year job. We know next year is going to be painful, yeah. but we're giving you the resources to build after that. Do I think Peyton will take it? Probably not. I think they should do that, however, for whatever head coach they entice, because otherwise it is just too difficult of a, of a job. And if that doesn't work, maybe throwing some of that Walmart money around would, in fact, help. Broncos have missed the playoffs seven years in a row since they won the Super Bowl 50. Uh, that is a record. We're just getting started on NFL wow. Live. Kirk Cousins now has the most fourth-quarter comebacks in a season, and while Justin Jefferson is his best weapon, find out from Mina who his secret weapon is. Plus, three picks and three straight drives in the fourth quarter. Not the streak the Dolphins were looking for from their star quarterback. Have defenses solved the Tua puzzle? We'll discuss next. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Pre-Game Headquarters is brought to you by Domino's. Get a taste of variety when you order off the Domino's Mix and Match menu. Monday Night Football is back tonight as Justin Herbert and the Chargers take on Jeff Saturday's Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and the app. Our coverage begins with Monday Night Countdown at 6. It is time now to check in at the Domino's pregame headquarters where Lisa Salters is standing by. Lisa, we know that sports history and those kinds of events have two sides. There's a side that wins and celebrates, like the Vikings with another win this past weekend, and then there's a side that has to endure the loss, like the Colts, who still haven't played since being on the wrong side of that history. How are they doing in their recovery from that defeat? Yeah, Dan, well, it's tough to know how the Colts are going to respond after last week's historic collapse because it's unprecedented. Until last week, teams were 1,016-0 after leading by 33 points or more. Defensive tackle DeForest Buckner said, it's embarrassing. We're on the wrong side of the record books, and nobody wants to be a part of that. Understandably, I'm told it was a quiet plane ride back here to Indy last Saturday, but defensive coordinator Gus Bradley said what's impressed him is how guys responded when they went back to work. Bradley said the attitude of guys on the practice field this week was absolutely not, when is this going to be over, how many games do we have left, but rather, how can we get this right? Interim head coach Jeff Saturday said his message to the team this week has been, what matters to you? Whether it's the name on the back of your jersey or the horseshoe on the side of the helmet, guys have to figure out what matters to them and let that be their motivation for trying to get better in these final three games, starting with tonight. Dan? Tough assignment. Uh, it looks like at least the sound system is working for the Colts. Lisa, we'll look forward to much more of your coverage uh, on tonight's game broadcast. The Colts, you know, have lost four games in a row, and they've had a lead in all of them. They haven't lost five such games in a row since 1997. Last night, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers took a visit to the desert and played the Arizona Cardinals. Pick up the action here in the third quarter. Bucks with a third and 11 at the Arizona, at the Arizona 36. Brady tries finding Mike Evans, but he's picked off. This is the second interception Brady threw in the game. Cardinals kick a field goal to go up 9-6. Mid-fourth quarter, Cardinals up 16-6. Bucks with third and goal. Brady finds Rashad White, who gets into the end zone for the score. Buccaneers trail 16-13. Later on, they're facing a third and eight. Brady's going to take a shot to the end zone to Chris Godwin to try and put them ahead in the final minutes, but they cannot connect. Bucks settle for a field goal, tie the game, and send it to overtime, where, with less than six minutes left in overtime, a first and 10 at the Cardinals 32. Brady connects with Russell Gage for the first down. Bucks comfortably in field goal range, so they bring on Ryan Suckup for the 40 yard attempted game winning field goal. He nails it. Bucks beat the Cardinals 19 16 in overtime. It is time now to read and react to some stories around the league, and we're going to start right there with those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 13 of their 19 points came in the final 10 minutes in overtime. This has been Tampa's mojo all year, though, often because they're behind, but their points per drive has nearly doubled when it matters most. So, Dan Orlovsky, why don't they build the whole plane out of the black box? Why don't they use the fourth quarter offense all game long? 
Well, part of this is because teams defensively soften up a little bit late in game situations because this red zone offense has been so bad this year. So you're not you're not going to get those soft defenses consistently. The worst part of this offense is the offensive line. So you do want to go out and just play no huddle all the time and not be able to protect the quarterback or make sure that you can try to change personnel and somewhat try to get into your play action game. I, we've talked about this for years. They need to be a play-action passing offense. Now, if you want to tell me that once you get possession and then you get a first down, if you want to get some tempo going on offense to help you, I'm good with that. I just don't see how the Tampa Bay can live in a no-huddle, pass-every-play situation with the state of their offensive line right now. We'll see what they figure out. In spite of it all, they, all they need to do is win next week against Carolina right. and they clinch their division. Let's go now to Minnesota, where Justin Jefferson had 133 yards and a touchdown Saturday. But, Mina, it was someone else on that Minnesota Vikings offense that impressed you. Who was it? You know, I love the Vikings trade for tight end TJ Hawkinson, and you've really seen the value as these weeks have gone by. So useful on the short, intermediate stuff, but it was the two touchdowns that jumped out to me. Uh, first one was a little boot action throwback. Attention paid to Jefferson, as usual, miscommunication, Hawkinson wide open. The second one, Hawkinson runs the slot fade. This time, he's double covered, but it doesn't matter because of his incredible athleticism and contested catchability you saw there. I believe the Vikings are the best wide receiver in the NFL. I also believe they have one of the best five best tight ends, and that is a very terrifying proposition for defenses come playoff time. Massive trade deadline acquisition there of TJ Hawkinson in Minnesota. On the losing side of that game Saturday were the New York Giants, but Giants fans shouldn't worry. Their playoff chances are still very high. 94% chance to make the playoffs. They can clinch a spot against the Colts Sunday in Week 17. If they win, if not, they'll have to do it the hard way. They'll have to beat the Eagles in Week 18. Marcus, what did you like about the Giants this week? I love Daniel Jones, man. Love this poise, and obviously he gave one away, but you look at him off-script plays. You look at him making decisive decisions. These are some of the things we talked about with Daniel Jones, just taking too long to become the athlete that he is, and then it turned into him having opportunities to push the ball down the field. He played with rhythm. He played with timing. He orchestrated a drive to get the game back even, and I think that's a building block for Daniel Jones as the New York Giants go forward. Brian Dabo has done a phenomenal job, but I wanted to show DJ some love because he played well against the Minnesota Bikes. Daniel Jones in a contract year. We'll see how it works out for him and the Giants. When we come back, do not R-E-L-A-X because if you do, the Packers might just remind you they're still in the playoff hunt. Why someone here says Aaron Rodgers is still a bad man against the Blitz. Find out next. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. 
Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. The NFL is headed back to Las Vegas for the Pro Bowl games, featuring new skills challenges and the first ever AFC versus NFC flag football games. To see your favorite players at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas on Sunday, February 5th, scan the QR code on your screen or visit ProBowl.com slash tickets. Early game on Christmas Day saw Aaron Rodgers and the Packers visiting Tua Tungavailoa and the Dolphins. Under 10 minutes to go in the first. Game tied at three. Dolphins with a first and 10 from their own 16. Tua finds Jalen Waddell, and he's just not going to stop until he gets to the end zone. That's an 84-yard touchdown pass for a 10-3 Miami lead. Packers next drive. They are facing a third and eight from the Dolphins' 15, and Rodgers is going to take it himself. Flushed out of the pocket, scrambles, gets the first down, using his legs to keep the drive alive. And then later in that possession, it is fourth and goal. Packers are going for it. Play action. Roger to Mercedes Lewis. Wide open in the end zone for the touchdown. Game tied at 10. Fourth quarter now, tied at 20. Dolphins with a first and 10 at their own 20. Tua overthrows Tyreek Hill, and Jair Alexander makes the interception. Packers would kick a field goal and lead 23 to 20. After another Packer field goal, it was 26 to 20. Dolphins still have a shot here, second and seven. Tua's gonna drop back, but he's gonna get picked off again, this time by Rasul Douglas. Tua would be intercepted three times in this game, all in the fourth quarter. Green Bay wins 26 to 20. It was not the fourth quarter that Tua had in mind. He threw three interceptions in a row. That is a stark contrast to what he's been doing down the stretch this season. Tua now joins Jameis Winston as the only quarterbacks this year with three picks in the fourth quarter of a game. It's also the first time he's done it on three straight drives. So something is certainly up, or was yesterday, uh, with Tua. Dolphins have now lost four games in a row, Dan Orlovsky. What has changed for Tua since his strong start? Uh, defenders are no longer consistently being attached to what his eyes are doing. You know, this happens for young quarterbacks in the league, and it absolutely happens to young guys in this offense. So when defenders stop kind of following what your eyes are telling them to do, and the challenge, Dan, is this. The Green Bay defense did it early on. They listened. They went where he wanted, and then they stopped. So the first three quarters, they're going exactly where he's looking. And then in the fourth quarter, they stopped doing that. And that's difficult to transition as that young player going, well, wait, wait. The last time I did that with my eyes, you went exactly where I wanted you to. And so the challenge right now is, because it's a slippery slope, is, you know, how does Tua get back to one reading the defense and not just assuming that if I look here, guys are going to move. So read it and then confirm that those guys actually did move. And so it's, it's a, you want them to be aggressive and it's a fine line. And the last thing I'd say about this one, Marcus, is me, for me, is I've watched this for a month now and, and the play has gone from up and down for Tua 
is when you start to feel, and Mike McDaniel, their, their play caller, and I think the world of them, when you start to maybe feel some challenge, some difficulty, some fr- frustration, how do you get him back on track? A little bit of screen game, a little run game, yeah. you know, something like that to make him not so big play oriented in his mind. Dio, all I could think, MK, all I could think was out of structure, right? Like playing that position, man, and 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 listening to you and us obviously watching so many games, majority of the time, late in games, quarterbacks are going to be very uncomfortable. Right now, it just feels like when Tua gets in these situations, it's almost like a computer. I put this in the computer, I'm supposed to get this result. Well, that's not the case all the time. Sometimes you have to go above and beyond the play call, above and beyond the look, and sometimes, to your point, Dio, your eyes or whatever you've been tracking in the first half it's not yeah. going to be a continuum. The first half of this game, I tweeted, I text, I tweeted, I said, Tua cooking. Last game, he wasn't cooking nothing. He was putting everything back on the shelf in the grocery store. The problem is <laughs> he has to be better out of structure when people figure out all of those little things that he's trying to do to manipulate defenses. Yep. I mean, I want to talk about the other side of the ball, that Dolphins defense. What went wrong yeah. for them yesterday? Well, I was a little perplexed by their defensive approach. You know, Aaron Rodgers' greatest strengths as a quarterback are his quick release and then, of course, his mind. He has seen every coverage, every pressure on earth. So I don't know why Miami, even being a blitz-happy defense as they are, would blitz them on nearly two-thirds of dropbacks, which is an astronomical number. They got to him twice, but his splits against the blitz were so much better than facing a standard rush in this game. And I and I have to think when Bradley Chubb went out with an injury, maybe the defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer, thought this is the only way we get home. But you have good players on that huh. defensive line, Christian Wilkins, Jalen Phillips, and the Packers were banged up on their offensive yeah. line. They should have been able to rely on that four-man rush more, especially against Aaron Rodgers in particular. The pain on Marcus Spears' face while you were talking about that was real <laughs> uh, and spectacular. Dolphins 0-4 in December. He hated Second- it. Winless December in franchise history. The other one was in 1993. I know what I was doing. I don't want to have the conversation about what all you guys were doing in 1993. (laughs) A few paths have opened up for the Packers to make the playoffs. I said I didn't want to talk about it. Here are two of the most likely scenarios. Win their last two games and the Commanders lose once or win their last two games and the Giants lose both. Green Bay's chance to make the playoffs now 37% per ESPN analytics. That's the highest that number has been since October. So, Mina, on the other side of the ball, it was a good day for Green Bay, even though it was a bad day for Miami. What did you like about the Packers' game plan yesterday? Well, so when we talk about the Packers last few weeks, I've been saying the offense is actually fine. The young wide receivers are playing well. But I don't believe in this defense. This run defense stinks. I got to give them credit. After the first quarter, they held Miami to 11 carries for 26 yards on the ground. And, you know, they struggle so yeah. much with those odd fronts and light boxes. But I thought Jaron Reed, one of their defensive tackles, was very good in this game. And then the outside linebackers, uh, Preston Smith in particular, but also Justin Hollins did a really excellent job setting the edge against Miami's zone run game. They also walked down Quay Walker a couple times for those 6-1 fronts that work against yep. wide zone rushing attacks. It's encouraging. I'm not saying that the run defense is fixed, but as we look ahead to the, uh, the playoffs and they're facing really good run te- running teams, the fact that they were actually able to hold it together for three quarters, I think, is encouraging for this defense. Yeah, considering where they were most of the year, they'll take better, even if it's not yet fixed. Dan, what did you like about the Packers' offense yesterday? 
Well, I mean, there was a very clear blueprint for this football team throughout the whole offseason, ever since Devontae got traded, the draft picks for two defensive guys in the first round. It was play dominating defense, run the ball efficiently and explosively, and then Aaron Rodgers make like four or five great throws in the game. Well, two or three of those things happened yesterday. There wasn't a dominant defensive performance, but they ran the ball efficiently and then with explosive elements. And then Rodgers made those four and five throws that only Rodgers could make. The ball down the sideline to his tight end, Mercedes Lewis. The ball down the sideline to Alan Lazard. The ball on the deep out route to Romeo Dobbs. Those, those throws that we sit there and go, that's Rodgers right there. And maybe, maybe this defense is not going to be dominant right now, right? Because there's two weeks left, right? Maybe this defense is hoping to be opportunistic. We saw a couple takeaways this past weekend. We saw a couple takeaways against the Rams. We saw a couple against the Bears. If they can be, you know, opportunistic with some takeaways and then they do that in their run game and then Rodgers, thumb is healthy, and those two young receivers continue to allow the physical talent to shine, they got a chance here with two weeks to go. Yeah, yeah, Dio. All I could think was, I, I wonder if these guys would have spent a little more time in the offseason. Could this rapport have been built earlier? That's I kept coming back to that. And not just in this week particular. Like, it started to show up against the Cowboys when Christian Watson had his come to Jesus. There still was some drops. There still was some missed throws with Aaron Rodgers. But I see a level of trust being built with these pass catchers and him spreading the football around. I just think it... I, I don't think the Packers are going to make the playoffs. Obviously, it's a great feeling right now with, with them going into Miami and winning. I think a lot of people pinpointed this one as the one out of the three that they needed to get to bolster those chances, obviously. But you look at this you look at this team and how he's now spreading this football around for right. a few weeks now. Still run game, still, still Aaron Jones, still A.J. Dillon, but it looks a lot better with these guys in the secondary, a lot, a lot of trust seems to be there that wasn't there early in this season. I'd say this. Week 18 feels like a playoff game. Win and get in, lose and stay out for them in Detroit. They're playing Minnesota this week. Minnesota has made New England's offense look incredible to make the Giants' offense look pretty, pretty good this week as well. So I think Green Bay's going to have offensive success this weekend as long as Watson plays. But if their defense can find one or two, find yourself one or two, Week 18 is going to be a playoff game between them and Detroit. Maybe the bad news is their next game is technically in January because they're 15-0 in December under Matt LaFleur. That is the second longest (laughs) December win streak in league history. (laughs) When we come back, Dak picked up where he left off with a pick. But then after that, he was flat-out fantastic. Was it enough for Orlovsky to put some respect on Dak Prescott's name? Stay tuned to find out. Do it bigger, only way to improve my cheddar and make it triple. And I ain't trying to complicate it, keep it simple. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Catch Adam Schefter and the Monday Night Countdown crew as they get you set for the matchup between the Chargers and Colts, 6 Eastern on ESPN and the app. And speaking of Adam Schefter, let's get him back in here for some top stories. Adam, let's start in Denver with the breaking news from this afternoon. Well, then the Denver Broncos became the third team this season to make a head coaching change. Not a surprise that they would make this change. A little bit of a surprise that they would do it here with two weeks left in the season. Most people thought they would wait until the end of the year before making a move with Nathaniel Hackett, who gets fired after 15 games in Denver, becoming the fifth coach since 1970 to lose his job this early into his first tenure. And this team had been a disappointment on offense. It had been a disappointment overall. One of the teams that I think a lot of people had a lot of hopes for at the beginning of the year that did not come to fruition. And so Nathaniel Hackett fired this morning. He will be replaced by the man that he hired earlier this season to help him with time management strategy, that being the former assistant coach of the Baltimore Ravens, Jerry Rosberg, who takes over now as the interim head coach of the Denver Broncos while the new ownership group embarks upon a head coaching search in which they're expected to be very aggressive, Dan. All right, let's get to some injury news coming off a busy weekend. What do you know about the Jets' uh, quarterback situation and Mike White? The Jets' doctors have cleared Mike White for contact, and Robert Sala said that Mike White is starting on Sunday in Seattle while they will be making Zach Wilson, who started the last couple of games, inactive. Joe Flacco will be the new backup. The Jets are planning to have Mike White as the starter now that their doctors believe he's good enough to get back out there good for the Jets. Meanwhile, the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson, who's missed the last three games with a sprained PCL, John Harbaugh said today he hopes Jackson plays again this season, said we'll see where he is later this week. Obviously, they're not saying he is or isn't going to be ready. They'll take it day by day and see whether he's able to go Sunday night against the Steelers. And the Philadelphia Eagles lost their Pro Bowl offensive tackle, Lane Johnson, for the remainder of the regular season due to a torn tendon in his abdomen area. They're hopeful he'll be ready for the return of the playoffs. But now the Eagles' injuries are starting to pile up. Lane Johnson's out for the remainder of the regular season while they continue to wait for Jalen Hurts to come back from his sprained SC joint in his shoulder. They're going to say he's basically week to week. They'll see whether he can play against New Orleans on Sunday. And keep in mind, Dan, all they need to do is win one yeah. more game to lock up home field advantage in the NFC. So if he doesn't play this week, there will be one more week to go against the New York Giants if Philadelphia can't manufacture a victory against the Saints. Of course, the Eagles have their eye on uh, bigger goals down the road. And Lane Johnson's a big loss. He has the top pass block win rate in the NFL this season. So be a lot of work to make up for his absence. The Dallas Cowboys on Saturday picked up a huge win against those Eagles. And how about this? Dallas and Philly have played over 100 times, and this was the third highest scoring game ever between the two, 40 to 34 in Dallas. Eagles defense did its part with six sacks for the fourth straight game, but two late turnovers ultimately cost Philly the win. Dak Prescott came on late after a slow first quarter. All three of his touchdowns came from the second quarter on, and most importantly, no turnovers after that point. 
The NFC East is still up for grabs. If the Cowboys win their final two games and the Eagles lose their final two games, Cowboys can still win uh, the division, but one Eagles win, as Adam mentioned, would clinch the division for them. So, Marcus, you got to be feeling real good about the Cowboys after what you saw on Saturday, right? Here we go. Um, a lot of a lot of other things I would I would I would like to see done better, but I do love the fact that Dak Prescott had the type of game that he had. Look, we've been talking about turnovers. Obviously, we we've seen him throw uh, too many picks, and you see this one after Josh Sweat, and then decisiveness came. I love this though, the athleticism. Dak wasn't doing this. He wasn't using his legs. He wasn't making these quick decisions. And then this is just being a high-level football player. This is knowing you need a critical third down, staying on your feet and being able to deliver. I think more than anything for four, uh, Dak Prescott, this was a confidence-building game. Um, I know the conversation about Jalen Hurts not playing and all of that. This deep, Darius Slay was still out there. Bradbury was still out there. He was under some duress from this defensive line, and he continued to make plays throughout the duration of this game. And make no mistake about it. Dallas has their holes, but I've said it for a number of weeks now. This team is going to go as far as Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore allows them yeah. to go. I don't know how far that is, but I know if those two aren't playing at a very high level and Kellen Moore calling plays at a high level, I don't believe Dallas has enough to have a chance to be in the mm. NFC Championship. Mm. We get that, Dak Prescott, they got a chance. I agree. So I'll be Marcus's translator here. The reason he's not that happy is because he's still very worried about that defense. You can hear it in your voice. Like, you yes, weren't I even am. that happy talking about them even though they won. Yes, I am. And you should be because Dak has to be outstanding to compensate for some of the issues on that side of the ball. And let's be clear, it's because they're injured. Teams right. are going after the backups in the secondary. But – they're not going to get better. That's the contrast with the Eagles, where the Cowboys were going after injuries on their side of the ball, but th some of those players on the defense are coming back. Not the case with Dallas. And the problem is, Micah Parsons was excellent in this game. I, I, he was winning over and over. But if he does not get yeah. home, the coverage cannot hold up behind him. Gardner Minshew was 11 for 11 when blitzed in this game. Mm. That is concerning for a backup quarterback and do, to come in and do that to your secondary. There is so much pressure on Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore right now to hold up on offense because the defense is going to have issues that will persist through the playoffs. On the other side, Eagles offense, you know, they scored plenty of points with the backup quarterback. Probably not an issue, especially once Hurts comes back and the turnovers stop. But, uh, Dan, you, you saw some stuff with the defense in Philly that concerned you? I, I still get concerned about their defense. As, as talented it is, first of all, Dak Prescott best game and Kellen Moore best game this season together to Marcus's point but they don't right now have anybody because of injuries that can cover CeeDee Lamb and when Kellen Moore moves CeeDee like yeah. he does and puts him in the slot away from those two elite corners it's an issue I love this concept bunch and it's attacking cover three they have the out route and then a corner route that flat defender doesn't get underneath Slay's peeking back as Dak's seeing out they don't carry number three vertical safety doesn't get over the top that's an easy touchdown for CeeDee Lamb from the slot now they start them in the slot and they move them over with motion. And what happens is they're going to rotate that way. And so they're creating these matchups. Now they get an opportunity to attack Bradbury. And Bradbury sloughs off inside because he's thinking he's going to get like a slant or a snag. He stutters his feet and goes to the back pylon. So Kellen Moore's usage of CD, and I'm telling everybody, they cannot right now, Philadelphia cannot cover from the slot against mm. CD Lamb. Again, because of CJ uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Maddox getting hurt, 
So the next time if they play, what are they going to do with CD from the inside? Let me ask you this, Dan. There's a lot of frustration amongst some Eagles fans because they play so much zone coverage. Dak was excellent. CeeDee Lamb was finding just about every possible hole. Would you consider playing a bit more man coverage against the Cowboys? I absolutely would. And if neither of those guys are back, <clears throat> if they play again, Darius Slay, you've got CeeDee Lamb all over the field. That's just the reality. And you need his best game That's to go win. Thinking, yeah. It does start to feel like we're destined to see a third game between these two teams at some point this season. Obviously, we'll see what happens uh, with that. Hey, Marcus Spears, what, what's coming up next on uh, NFL Live? <laughs> well, you, well, we're going to have to wait on that third game, D. Graz. We're going to focus on big men balling right now. And listen, man, I had to put this in the bump because this is technically a lot of big man balling. But Alan Lazar made a block mm. like he was a BMB. And then <laughs> started counting. The number of guys that were on the ground. First of all, I don't know what the hell this defense was, Miami. Everybody knows the outside zone is coming. But look at Alan Lazard. Just look at his work. He's processing his work. He's having a good time looking at his work. Alan Lazard, you may be unbeat. This will forever be your highest honor, my brother. Fighting Spirit Moment is brought to you by Modelo. Brood for those with a fighting spirit. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Each week on NFL Live, we help the league spotlight the high school coach of the week. And this week, the Colts have chosen Eric Moore. Since taking over at Center Grove High in 1999, he's led the Trojans to a 284 and 79 record, ranking him sixth all-time in Indiana, including this season, where his team successfully three-peated as state champs. Congratulations, Coach Eric Moore. It's big man bowling time, and y'all know how we turn up on this segment. Finna give you all I got, Kevin Nash. <laughs> Let me introduce y'all to the big fellas that made plays on Sunday. Somebody better block him. All you doing is saying, where did he come from? Morgan Spears Jr. with the rip club. Go get the quarterback. Big man be balling. 
Well, y'all, I put together a little something special today because I have a number of big men balling, and it turns out that a group of big men balling looks better than one big man balling. So let's start in Tampa Bay with the Tampa Bay offensive line. This is Leonard Fournette, y'all. This is Leonard Fournette probably getting stopped for a five-yard game, but no, no, no. This is like when Black Death, the animal in Africa, lines up against the lion that's being surrounded, and they say, no, you cannot have my son. So watch them attach. They cover each other. They get in a circle and they begin to push and they push and they push. They needed 15 yards. They got 14. First down came the next problem. I'm going to the other side of the ball. My man J.J. Watt made an appearance for three sacks last week. He's going to make an appearance again because he did it three times, but it was three TFLs. J.J. Watt looks phenomenal, y'all. If you haven't been paying attention, the man is starting to look like his old self. He's getting into the backfield, putting his face mask on running backs, and he's getting them to the ground. He was a big reason Arizona was in this game. Again, J.J. Watt, again and again. Three's company, that's what J.J. Watt is starting to do. And last but not least, I was not going to put this on here if the Dallas Cowboys lost, but since they didn't, I'm going to put Josh Sweatpick on here. <laughs> I'm just playing, y'all. I told y'all, when big men get an interception and they score touchdowns, they will be on BMB. This was a phenomenal play by the big dog. I remember when they signed this guy, a lot of Philly fans was like, yo, what the hell we paying Josh Sweat this money for? This is what you're paying the money for, and he getting after the passer. This was a pick six by a BMB. I hated to do it against my team, but I had to do it because I'm a man of my word. And when you pick six as a big man, <laughs> that means you are balling. Thank y'all for having me this week. <laughs> that is obviously our pleasure. The big men will be balling tonight there in downtown Indianapolis for Monday Night Football. Mm. The LA Chargers in town to play the Colts. And we check back in at the Domino's pregame headquarters as Dan and Mina get us ready for tonight's game. Mina, something specific you think Justin Herbert can take advantage of tonight. What is it? Yeah, so this Colts defense is pretty predictable. They play a lot of cover three, they rush mm -hmm. four, and they're good at it. However, they do have one weakness, which is if you can break contain, whether designed or not, they struggle in coverage. They are 31st in QBR and EPA when quarterbacks are on the move. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but Justin Herbert on the move is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. We have been calling for this all season. At times, the Chargers have obliged. Put your six-foot-six antelope with a cannon attached to his shoulder on the move against this defense <laughs> in particular, please. Dan, how about that? Yeah. She just called him an antelope? Yes, with a, with a cannon. Man, I love that one. With a cannon. I love that one. <laughs> be clear. Cannons. I love that one. Yeah. I'm a user rare in nature. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, would that be a cantaloupe? No, that's terrible. Anyway, Dan, you've seen improvement. <laughs> it's been a long day. No. Uh, improvement for the Chargers' defense. Where does that come from as the season's gone along? <laughs> their defensive line. You know, th this was the really the flaw of their defense. We constantly yeah. have talked about their inability to stop the run. And a guy like Kyle Van Noy who's back in that lineup for them, has played big-time football. Sebastian Joseph Day back yes, and playing good football. Brendan Fajoko at the nose guard, because they're playing that yeah. five-man front, and that's such a big part trying to hold up all those bodies. The reality, and, and I know Mina and Marcus agree with this, if this run defense can play well tonight versus a Colts team that's ran the ball okay over the past couple weeks, even without Jonathan Taylor, we're talking about a secondary that is still very talented. So Van Noy and Fajoko and Sebastian Joseph Day can continue to play at that level. 
and this team wins tonight in the end, they get in the playoffs. I'm intrigued by them as a football team, given everything that's happened injury-wise to them. We're a lot of expectations preseason, and they are right on the verge of it. They can make their playoff status official if they win tonight. That would put yeah. them in. Let's pick this game. Everybody's on the Chargers. We're all correct. Okay. We've been hot. No, we've been hot, team. We we've have? been hot. There's, we broke that curse. We have been hot. We have yeah. been hot. I think the curse is yeah. dead. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just. No, I'm not worried. I'm just joining here. I'm not usually uh, a part of this, but it's nice to be. Uh, I'm an interloper or an antelope, uh, as the case may be. <laughs> but uh, everybody's on the Chargers. If we are correct, that means despite everything they've dealt with this season, the Chargers will be in the playoffs. It'd be the first time for Justin Ooh. Herbert. And it would be the first time for the Chargers. America needs him. Since 2018. America needs Herbert in the playoffs. Put the animal, the animal the I was talking about on BMB was a Cape Water Buffalo, by the way, if anybody Thanks didn't get that Thanks for joining us reference. on NFL Live. What are you talking about? Clarity. Just clarity. <laughs>